you would turn with me, we're going to begin this morning in John chapter 14. That's where we'll start the sermon today. So good to see you in the house of the Lord this morning. And I see some new old faces and we are happy every time we see more folks come back after our long time apart since all this pandemic. So let's welcome our, our new, but not so new faces. <laughs> we're glad you're back. So good to see everybody this morning. So good to see all of you. Beautiful time together at nine o'clock. Those of you watching online, we welcome you. We thank you for being part of our church. We have some friends watching from different states um, every single week. So welcome you. Thank you for watching. And those who watch around this state and also those who are part of this body uh, that have not been able to come back yet. We are glad you are watching online. Amen. So welcome them. They are part of us. I want to preach this morning as we continue on in our road trip with Jesus series. I just thought that it might be a good time in our road trip to um, just kind of catch up on things. Have you ever taken a road trip or you've gotten with an old friend and you, you know it's just time to catch up on a few things. Catch up on some old stories and things that maybe we have forgotten about we need to remind ourselves of. Sometimes when we, when we get together we don't just catch up but we make big plans for the future and we decide, hey, we've gotten together for this trip, but we're going to take another trip or we're going to do this together. We're going to do that together. So uh, I thought about we ought to just get caught up this morning on our road trip. When I thought about getting caught up, I thought about different things that uh, might not excite you too much. I thought about sometimes we want to get caught up on our yard work or maybe our homework Sometimes we need to get caught up on our housework or our laundry. Maybe it's out in the garden or in the hayfield where we need to get caught up. Well, now I'm just tired from thinking about all that. All that work that you guys need to do <laughs> and get caught up on. It makes me tired just thinking about it. Sometimes we want to get caught up with other people. And maybe it's with a family reunion or, or maybe a holiday gathering. Or maybe a church dinner. Remember when we used to have those church dinners and you get caught up. Well, now I'm just hungry. <laughs> but today on our road trip, I say, let's get caught up. If I could say this and, and say it in very respectful way, let's get caught up with an old friend. And that old friend is the partner that has been with us on this road trip. That old friend is Jesus. Can we just get caught up with our old friend Jesus today? And as we get caught up with him, he wants to remind us of some great things that he's already told us before. He wants to share with us some old stories and, and truths that he's already shared with us before. But can I tell you this morning that he doesn't just want to do that. He wants to tell us, get this, of some big plans that he has for each one of us. Do you believe that he has some big plans for you and for me? As the church, he has some big plans for us. But let's get caught up this morning. Let's start in John 14, beginning at verse number one. This is Jesus speaking. Such a powerful scripture for where we find ourselves living our lives right now. He said, let not your heart be troubled. You believe in God, believe also in me. In my father's house are many mansions. Now, if it were not so, I would have told you. 
But I go to prepare a place for you. And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again and receive you to myself. That where I am, there you may be also. And where I go, you know, and the way you No, what I'm reminded of here is that Jesus has left us some things here for us on our road trip through this world in which we live. And one is this promise that, yes, he has left us. Yes, he has gone to the father away from us, but he has left us with a promise that he will come back for us. He's coming again. And right now, as he has told us here in John chapter 14, he is preparing a place for us. Have you ever had someone build a house for you or or build a garage for you or build a place for you? And you, with great anticipation, you have waited for the completion of that project. But I want to tell us this morning, far greater than any of that, Jesus has gone to the Father. And one of the things he is doing for you, and one of the things he's doing for me, is he is preparing a place for us. He has left us this promise that, yes, I did go to the Father. But I promise you, I assure you, as surely as I went to the Father, I will come again for you to receive you to myself. That where we can be together always. He told him, I said, you know the way. He said, you know where I'm going. You know the way to where I'm going. As we read on in verses 5 and 6 of this, we see a man named Thomas who asked a few questions. Now, Thomas gets a bad rap sometimes, doesn't he? We call him Doubting Thomas, but at least Thomas cared enough to ask some questions. So I'm on Thomas's side this morning. Just for the record, put me down with Thomas. Because Thomas said, well, Lord, I don't know where you're going for sure. And how can we know the way? And Jesus said, I'm glad Thomas asked that because Jesus then answered it for you and I. Jesus said, I am the way and the truth and the life. Do you still believe Jesus is the way and the truth and the life? Do you still believe that Jesus is your way to God? Your way to salvation, our way to peace with God. But not only that, he is going to come back for those of us who know him and who have trust in him. Do you still believe Jesus is coming again? He's coming again. What is he doing right now at the father? He's sitting at the right hand of the father. He's making intercession for you and I at the right hand of the father. He's preparing a place for us to go to. But what has he left us with? We're reminded in in this road trip, we're reminded when we think of the stories of Jesus, he left us with one thing was his peace. He said, I will not leave you as orphans. I will come to you. I'll send you my peace, my peace I give to you. Do you not, do we not need his peace today? In these trying, stressful, struggling times that we live in and and we just need something beyond. Let's just let's just be honest this morning. I need something and maybe you'll agree with me. I need something beyond myself. I need something beyond myself to carry me through these difficult days, to keep my sanity, to keep my mindset, to keep my stress level down. What is it? I need peace. And he has left us his peace. I want to preach to us this morning that we don't have to be all stressed out and worried and fretting and doubting. But I say, latch hold of his peace that he has left us. 
But not only did he leave us his peace, he left us the Holy Spirit who would abide with us forever, who would comfort us and guide us and give us power and give us strength. So let not your heart be troubled this morning. Don't let your heart be troubled. Remember this old friend, if I can say it that way. Remember where he's at and what he's doing. Remember what he has left you and I. Look with me to Acts chapter 1, verses 7 and 8. As we're just kind of starting up our cars and we're looking backwards here in this road trip a little bit. And Jesus is reminding us, this old friend's reminding us some things. Jesus said to them, and it's not for you to know the times or the seasons which the father has put in his own authority. Now stop there just a moment. If we aren't careful in these days and hours that we live, we are going to just run ourselves ragged like a little hamster in a hamster wheel around and around and around trying to figure everything out. If we aren't careful, we'll watch too much YouTube or we'll turn, turn on to too many uh, so-called preachers and prophetic words that we're just going to be like, this is going to happen and that's going to happen. Or what about this? Or what about that? Here, Jesus is saying, listen, relax. Don't get so caught up in the times or the seasons that the father already has planned out. Is that all right this morning? You hear what I'm saying? Don't get so, so caught up in saying, well, is he coming today? Is he coming tomorrow? Is, is this part of that? Just get in this word. Just get in this word right here. Just hear what the word of God says to us. Just hold on to hope knowing that Jesus is coming. But all of these things in the world, can I tell you, God is sovereign. And all of the times and all of the seasons and all of these end time events, which we are living in the last days, we are living in the end times, but it's all under the authority of God the Father. Do you know that if someone comes to you and tells you that Jesus is coming on a certain date or a certain time, you need to turn away from that person. The Bible tells me that no man knows the hour, no man knows the date, not even the angels, not even Jesus, but God the Father knows. He's got it all under control. And can I assure us of this? Jesus will not come back a day too late and he will not return a day too early. But God has everything all figured out. And if you and I know Christ as our personal Savior, we can rest in that. Is that all right today? We can rest in that. Here's what he said. Look at verse 8. Let's keep going. He said, don't get tangled up and worried in so much of all of that. But here's what I want to remind you of. But you shall, this is Jesus speaking, you shall receive power. Somebody say power. After that, the Holy Spirit has come up on you. And you shall be witnesses to me in Jerusalem and in Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. He was telling them. Focus on me, focus on the power, focus on the Holy Spirit that I'm going to pour out upon you. And I want to tell every one of us as believers, we have the power that we need to live this life in confidence and victory. And you see, as he spoke these things, they were watching him. He, he began to ascend into heaven. He was taken up out of their sight. And so as I tell you about that, and as we remind ourselves of the ascension, this old friend, he's reminded us of, of some things. But remember, I told you when we're on a road trip with an old friend, sometimes we make some big plans for the future. Look with me. He made some big plans for us. Look with me. Acts chapter one, verses 10 and 11. And while they looked steadfastly towards heaven, 
As Jesus went up, behold, two men stood by them in white apparel, two angels. Verse 11, who also said, men of Galilee, why do you stand gazing up into heaven? This same Jesus who was taken up from you into heaven will come again in like manner as you saw him go into heaven. They heard the sound of these words that these angels spoke to them that day. They heard the sound of their promise ringing in their ears that day. And that same sound, that same promise, may it ring in our ears. May it ring in our hearts. May it ring in our minds knowing that Jesus is coming again. If you believe Jesus is coming again, now would be a good time. Can I hear an amen this morning? You believe he's coming again. He is coming. So I, I say this. We need to be caught up. Hear me this morning. We need to be caught up in a sound. We need to be caught up in a sound. What is this sound that we need to be caught up in? Well, one thing I wrote down about this sound, it's a hopeful sound. A sound full of hope. We need to be caught up with hope. Hope needs to be in our ears, in our minds, and in our hearts. But I ask us this morning, what is on your radio? Now, radio might be an obsolete term anymore. Because now we just put one little ear pod in our ear. And we walk around and we look really important. But all we're doing is just jamming to the tunes. Anybody got, anybody got your little ear pod? I thought about that when I was thinking about what's on your radio. What music are you listening to? What's, what sounds are coming into us? And I thought about, I don't know why it kept coming to my mind, but you remember back in the day when people would take a, a big old boom box and they'd put it on their shoulder and they'd bebop around, bebop around, listening to the sounds, feeling fine, bebopping around with the boom box on their shoulder. Can I tell you in these days, the only time <laughs> that I ever see a boom box anymore is when somebody's cleaning out their closet and they want to donate the boom box to the church. That's the only time. Now, if you did that, I apologize. I don't know if anybody's done that. Nobody's done that since I've been here. So, but those boom boxes, listen to those tunes. It went to the, what, to the CD players. And we used to have these little CD players. Then you, you were something else. You put your CDs in. Now it's MP3s. Now it's earbuds. You know, pretty soon we'll just snap our fingers and come on. I don't know. But I ask us this morning, what sounds are going into us? You see, there's a lot of noise around us right now, isn't it? There's a lot of sounds. There's a lot of fussing. It's a lot of fighting. There's a lot of debating. There's a lot of doubting. There's a lot of sounds in the land today. But what sound are we caught up in? What sound is our hope in? What sounds are we listening to on the radios of, of our hearts? There have been lots of sounds in history. Lots of hopeful sounds in history. One was the, in the Revolutionary War, there was, symbolically speaking, a shot that was fired. You remember this? Shot that was fired that was heard around the world. You remember that from your social studies classes? If you don't, that's your homework. I go back and read about the Revolutionary War. 
The sounds, the shot that was fired that was heard around the world. There was the sound of Martin Luther King Jr. as he stood on the steps of the Lincoln Memorial declaring, I have a dream and and that dream of, of us all loving each other. Those were powerful sounds. There was the sound from the first men who landed on the moon and they talked back to those of us on earth and we heard those sounds. There's lots of sounds. There's sounds of great composers. There's sounds of modern composers. Sounds of Bach and Beethoven and songs of of, uh, elevation and Hillsong, if you're thinking modern worship. Lots of sounds. Oh, there's some powerful sounds that we have heard through the ears of faith. We have read the word of God. There's some powerful sounds. Think about this. Think about the sound when the walls of Jericho fell down. What a sound that must have been. Think about this sound when the angels appeared in the horizon that night to the shepherds who were in the field and they began to sing glory to God in the highest and peace, goodwill to men as they began to announce the arrival of the Christ child. What a sound that must have been. Think about this sound when Christ hung on the cross and bowed his head and he said these words, it is finished. And the great plan of salvation was established for you and for me and for whosoever will. Oh, there was another great sound that happened three days after that. When the two ladies went into the old cemetery looking for the body of Jesus, they were met with the sound of this. Hey, he's not here. He has risen just as he promised he would. Oh, there's been some great scriptural sounds throughout the the ages. Great scriptural sounds that we could pull out from the word of God. But I want to preach to us this morning about a sound that's going to catch up all of us one day. I want to preach to us this morning about a sound. It's going to be one of the most profound, one of the most significant, and one of the greatest sounds that we will ever hear in our lives. And I am listening and waiting and watching. I want to hear this sound. What sound is it, Pastor? Look with me. 1 Thessalonians chapter 4, beginning at verse 13. Here's what Paul writes about this sound that I want us to get caught up in. He said, but I do not want you to be ignorant, brethren. Look at your neighbor and say, don't be ignorant. I don't know if that was a very wise thing to do or not. Don't be ignorant. (laughs) Ignorant is just not knowing. There's a difference between being stupid and being ignorant, right? Ignorant Ignorant is just not knowing. Paul said, hey, listen, I don't want you to not know. I don't want you to be ignorant, brethren, concerning those who have fallen asleep. Concerning those who had died in Christ is who he's talking about. Least you sorrow as others who have no hope. For if we believe that Jesus died and rose again. Do you believe that this morning? You believe Jesus died and rose again? Even so God will bring with him those who sleep in Jesus. For this we say to you by the word of God, that we who are alive and remain until the coming of the Lord will by no means precede or prevent those who are asleep. For the Lord himself will descend. Here's the sound. Here's the sound. He'll descend from heaven with a shout and with the voice of an archangel. 
And with the trumpet of God. What a sound that's going to be. All the sounds of history. All the sounds of scripture. But this is going to be one of the most significant sounds that we will ever hear. And we're going to hear it one day. As children of God. It's a three in one sound. When I studied that out, it is if if the shout and the voice and the trumpet somehow are all going to correspond in unison at one time. It is not just a significant sound, it is a powerful sound. Because at that sound, the Bible tells me right here that the dead in Christ are going to rise from their grave. Just think about that this morning. Just think about that this morning. That makes me just a little bit, or okay, maybe a lot. That makes me a lot happy. <laughs> that, that, that gives me some joy. That gives me some hope. It tells me that I don't sorrow or grieve my lost loved ones as if those who have no hope. It tells me that those little grandmothers that I have watched being put into the ground throughout the years and friends and church people throughout the years that have been laid to rest somewhere. It tells me that I, yes, I grieve them. Yes, I have sorrow. Yes, I miss them. But I don't grieve without hope. Hallelujah. We do not grieve without hope. We know that there's going to be a sound one day coming from the heavens, coming from Jesus Christ. So significant and so powerful that those who have died in Christ are going to rise up from their sleeping place. Hallelujah. Praise God. Hallelujah. That's good preaching, brother. Hallelujah. <laughs> He's going to rise up. They're going to rise from their sleep. The dead in Christ shall rise first. Glory to God. Look at verse 17. Then we who are alive, that's us, who remain, those of us who remain in the faith, who know Christ, shall be called up together with them in the clouds, in the air. And so shall we ever be with the Lord. What a great picture. Think about it. We have family reunions. We have gatherings. It's good to come back. But can you imagine that reunion day? Can you imagine the family and the saints of God from all the ages rising up to be with Christ? But that sound is going to be so powerful. That sound is going to be so significant that you and I as believers are going to be changed. We are going to lose Gravitation, the power of gravity will have no bearing upon us. And we shall rise to meet them and the Lord in the air. And so shall we ever be with the Lord. What does he say to do about all this right now? Comfort one another with these words. In the early church, they believed that the coming of the Lord... Was so imminent, so close, they would greet each other with the term Maranatha, brother, Maranatha, sister. What did that mean? It meant the Lord cometh, the Lord cometh. 
And I believe now more than ever, as we are dealing with so many unprecedented things and as our lives have changed and we feel just a little out of sorts sometimes... Now more than ever, we need to find comfort in these words, comfort in this passage, comfort in the fact that we can look at each other and say, Maranatha, brother, the Lord cometh. Maranatha, sister, the Lord cometh. Maybe we might just need to tell ourselves that some days. Maybe we just need to get a mirror sometimes and when we're, we're fretting and we're stressing and we're having a pity party and we just don't know what to do and all that, maybe we just need to get a mirror from time to time and look in the mirror and look at ourselves and say, Maranatha, self, Jesus is coming. Jesus is coming. You see, what I'm trying to get across to myself and to you and to anybody watching this morning is that our hope is not in this world. Our comfort is not in this world. But our hope and our comfort is in knowing that Jesus is coming back someday for us. He's coming again. The sound, the sound is going to lead to a moment. We just talked about being caught up in a sound, but I want us to talk about a little bit about being caught up in a a moment. A moment. What is a moment? A moment is a brief period of time. When the rapture of the church is described, it's described as a twinkling of an eye. A moment. A very brief moment. Sometimes you might look at me and say, Pastor, I just had myself a moment. Have you ever had a moment? Sometimes that's good and sometimes it's not so good. Sometimes we get so happy and excited we have ourselves a moment. Sometimes it's Gloom, despair, and agony on me. Pity party moment. Oh, deep, dark depression. Pastor, I had myself a moment. We have those moments, don't we? Some good and some not so good. I would, if I weren't trying to be so dignified this morning, I would call it a hee-haw moment. And I would sing you that song, deep, dark, depression, excessive misery. If it weren't for bad luck, I'd have no luck at all. And then they, oh, despair. But I'm too dignified for all that. But we have our moments, don't we? (laughs) We have our moments. Sometimes in life, life is full of, of moments. We have births and deaths. We have marriages and milestones. We have successes and failures. Some of our moments are fun times and some of our moments are hard work and working times. We have moments of sowing. We have moments of of reaping. I thought about moments in scripture. There's a lot of great moments in in scripture that we could talk about. Can you imagine the moments of creation, for example? The days of creation when God day after day after day spoke the world into existence. Spoke creation into existence. What, What a series of moments that must have been. Imagine the moment when Moses led God's people out of Egyptian bondage through the Red Sea. But they didn't swim. They didn't float. But God divided the waters and they walked across on dry land. What a moment that must have been. This is one of my favorite moments to think about. One of my favorite characters to think about. His name is Simeon. We don't know a whole lot about Simeon. But but there was a moment one day in the temple. 
That was such a powerful moment. It was when Christ had just been born and Mary and Joseph were bringing Christ to the temple to have him dedicated. And Simeon said, hey, let me take the baby into my arms. I've been waiting for this for so long. And Simeon held the child up in his arms and he said, now let your servant depart in peace because my eyes have seen the salvation of the Lord. What a great moment that must have been. What a great moment it must have been some several years later when John the Baptist was baptizing in the river Jordan. And he looked up out over the horizon and he said, behold, here he comes. Behold, the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. What a moment that must have been. All of those moments in their context, all of those moments we could read about from scripture can give us hope. But I want to tell you that there is another moment that is coming that we should be hopeful towards and should give us even greater hope. And that is the rapture, the calling away, the catching away of the church. And we should live every moment in anticipation for that moment. Can I say that one more time? We should live every moment in anticipation for that moment. When he's coming again, look with me. First Thessalonians five, beginning at verse number one. Let me just try to pull out some practical things out of here for just a moment and slow down the pace for just a second. First Thessalonians five, one through 11. Paul's writing. He's echoing what Christ has already told us over in John. But concerning the times and the seasons, brethren, you have no need that I should write to you. For you yourselves know perfectly that the day of the Lord, the coming of the Lord, so comes as a thief in the night. Speaks to the suddenness. Speaks to the, in some regards, the secretiveness of it. Right? We don't know what day or hour or night he's coming. For when they say peace and safety, then sudden destruction comes upon them as labor pains upon a pregnant woman. Let me say it this way, an expected mother, when we were expecting, we knew that the baby was coming, but we didn't know the day or the hour. But then those labor pains and that water breaks and all that happens suddenly and God puts things into motion. And it's the same thing with the coming of Christ. We know he's coming, but it's going to be sudden. We don't know the day. We don't know the hour. Look at verse four, but you brethren are not in darkness so that this day should overtake you. What's that mean? We don't know the exactness of it, but it shouldn't surprise us. Hear me this morning. We don't know the exact time he's coming, but we are not in the darkness. We are in the light. We know that he's coming and we know that we can keep ourselves ready and keep our relationship with him true and faithful and be ready for his coming. Look at verse five. You are all sons of light and sons of the day. We are not of the night. We're not of the darkness. Therefore, let us not sleep as others do. He's not talking about physical sleep, but he's saying getting lazy, spiritually speaking, and and just getting nonchalant about our walks with God and nonchalant about serving God and being ready. But let us watch and be sober. Can you say that word with me? Sober. Let's say it one more time. Sober. If there is ever a day and a time that we as God's people need to be sober-minded, 
It's right now. We need to be sober-minded, not carried away with every wind and doctrine, not carried away with any fads or whatever, not carried away with what's going on around us, but soberly knowing that God is in control, soberly living our lives to please God, sober in knowing that we have hope that is beyond this life. May we live soberly. Look at verse 7. For those who sleep, sleep at night, and those who get drunk are drunk at night. But let us who are of the day be sober. And I really like this next line, putting on the breastplate of faith and love. Now more than ever, as we get up this mor- each morning, symbolically speaking, we need to apply the breastplate of faith and love. What am I trying to say? I'm trying to say this. It could be easy to get up and we think, well, what is going to happen today? What is going to happen in our world tomorrow? Will my bank survive? Will my job survive? Why is there a coin shortage? Why is this? Why is that? It could be easy for us to get up and start being filled with angst and doubt and concern and worry. And now more than ever, child of God, get up each morning and put on the breastplate of faith. What are you you saying, pastor? Faith that believes that my God is a sovereign God and he is still in control. My God is a sovereign God and he's in control of my life. My God shall supply all my needs according to his riches in Christ Jesus. Faith put on the breastplate of faith. But there was another part to the breastplate that Paul wrote about right here. And that was love. And again, in a day and a time when it's so easy to lose our cool on somebody. It is so easy to get frustrated with somebody. Our whole way of life has been flipped upside down. Can I get a witness? And if we aren't careful, we'll snap at someone. If we aren't careful, we'll tell somebody a piece of our mind. And if you're like me, I don't have a lot of mind to be giving pieces of it away. Please don't say amen to that. But if we aren't careful, we will we'll get caught up in debating this one about that item and this person about that. And some of the things that we're debating about really don't matter. Can I just preach this morning? We need to love each other. And you know what? If you wear a mask, I love you. And you, if you don't wear a mask, you know what? I love you. If you're a liberal, I love you. If you're a conservative, I love you. Can I get a witness this morning? Now more than ever, we need to put on the breastplate of love. Because they will know that we are Christians by our love. Now love will propel us to tell them the truth in love. But what is the truth that we really need to be telling this morning? It's the gospel message of Jesus Christ that transcends any philosophy. It transcends any economic beliefs, any political parties, anything above everything else. May we put on this breastplate of love. Is that all right today? Love. And then he said, as a helmet, look at your neighbor and say, helmet head. No, don't do that. (laughs) As a helmet, we need to put on the hope of salvation. 
as we're living this life, some of our plans are coming true, but sometimes our dreams are shattered. As we're living this life, sometimes we're successful and sometimes we're not. As we're living this life, maybe the 401k is looking good. Maybe it's not. As we're living this life, we might have hope for a better tomorrow, but we might just be living day to day and all stressed out. But beyond all of that, let's put on the helmet that has the hope of salvation. Because the hope of salvation tells me that my hope is not in this world anyway. My hope is not in my house over there 20 some miles from here. My hope is not there. My hope is in heaven where Jesus has prepared a place for me. My hope is beyond this world. My hope is in him. Put on that helmet and remind yourself, guard your mind. What does a helmet do? Those of you who have played football, it protects you from getting, from getting concussed, doesn't it? I don't know. It might make it worse. Make it jar your head. But that helmet is to protect your head. And if I could say it kind of flippantly and kind of funny wise, we need to protect our heads. Now more than ever, we need to put that hope of salvation on and remind ourselves that this world is not our homes. We're just passing through. We have a better day. We have a better hope. Look with me at verse nine because I love this verse. Here's our hope. Here's what we're looking for. For God did not appoint us to wrath, but to obtain salvation. That is my hope. My final salvation. The finality of my salvation is when I am going to be with him forever. Oh yes, I have been saved from my sins. But the finality of my salvation is when I meet him in the air. And when I am joined with him and I have been given a glorified body. That's the finality. That's what I've been appointed to. What I've not been appointed to is wrath. Jesus is coming for his church before the tribulation period comes up on this world. He said, I have not appointed you to wrath. Another place says we have been saved from the wrath that is to come. What am I preaching this morning? I am preaching unequivocally flat-footed a pre-millennial rapture, a pre-tribulation rapture. Jesus is coming before the tribulation period comes upon this world. I have not been appointed unto wrath, but to obtain salvation. I'm going to be with him. How about you? He's going to come in the clouds and then it will usher in seven years of tribulation, seven years of wrath, seven years of judgment like this world has never, ever known. But I don't have any reservations to be part of that. Don't you book me a room at the Holiday Inn Express during that time because I'm not going to be here. I plan to meet the Lord in the air. I plan to meet him in the clouds. I plan to be part of that great reunion day when the dead in Christ rise first and we're called up to meet them in the air. That's where my hope is. Those are where my reservations are. I have not been appointed 
to wrath. I have been saved from the wrath to come. And the good news for you and the good news for me and anybody watching, if you don't know Jesus Christ as your personal Lord and Savior, you can come to know him today and you can make your reservations to be part of one of the greatest moments in history. And you can be saved from the wrath and judgment that is to come. Isn't that a beautiful thought? I haven't been appointed to wrath, but I've been appointed to obtain salvation through my Lord and my Savior, Jesus Christ. Look at verse 10. Who died for us, (laughs) that whether we wake or whether we sleep, we should live together with him. Therefore, here's that word again, comfort each other. Edify one another, just as you're also already doing. I said it this way at the nine o'clock service. and I'll say it again this morning as we get closer to the ending of the sermon here. What a relief it must have been for those people at Thessalonica, the church at Thessalonica, when they received Paul's letter explaining all of this. You see, we know this. What I'm preaching to you today largely is not foreign to us. We've heard it preached before. We've heard it taught before. We've read it before. But the people there in Thessalonica, it pulls at my heartstrings because they they inquired of Paul. They didn't know what was going on with their dead loved ones, their deceased loved ones. They said, Paul, you came here and you, you helped us be saved and we've been converted. You preach to us that the coming of the Lord is at hand and Jesus is coming. We're doing everything you taught us to do. We have this church now here in Thessalonica. We believe in Christ, but some of our loved ones are falling asleep. They're, They're dying. They're leaving. And we don't understand what is happening to them. Are they going to miss out when Jesus comes? Have they just died and they're going to miss it all? But when they got this letter back from Paul, all of their answers were given to them. All their questions were answered to them. And it's like you and I, we may look at some of our loved ones that have died in Christ, but we don't have to doubt. The Bible tells us first and foremost, to be absent from the body is to be present with the Lord. We know that when they leave this life, this physical body, this physical tabernacle, it might be laid in the grave somewhere or cremated somewhere or whatever may happen. But the inner man immediately goes to be in the presence of the Lord. But this earthly tabernacle is laid down somewhere as if it were asleep. Waiting for this great resurrection morning. Waiting as I, as I have scriptures over in 1 Corinthians 15. That would be a good passage for you to read this week. 1 Corinthians 15. It's waiting for that time when the corruption shall be turned into incorruptible. When the the mortal body shall be put into immortality. That change that is going to come to the body. That leads me to my last point this morning. That change is not just going to come to the dead in Christ who have one up on us. They get to rise first, don't they? But then it goes on to say that then we who are alive and remain shall be called up together to meet them in the clouds. We're going to experience that change too. So my last point is this. Change is catching up with me. And change is catching up with 
you. We've been catching up with an old friend. We've been caught up in some sounds today. We've been caught up in the moment today. But um, I don't know if this will bust your bubble or not, but change is catching up with all of us. When I came here, I was about 50 pounds lighter. That change is catching up. No, I'm not. That's not true. (laughs) But I am probably about 50 pounds heavier from when I got married 21 years ago. Change is catching up with me. I notice that uh, behind my ears now, there's uh, these hairs that haven't taken full coloring. I don't know what's happening with that. They, They seem a little lighter than what my brown hair has already been. If it keeps on happening, I'm going to have to go to Walmart and find one of those aisles in the cosmetic department and buy a little box and put something on there. Or I guess shoe polish, I don't know. But change is catching up with me. And change is catching up with you. And life is changing. Children grow up. Children get married. Grandchildren grow up. Grandchildren get married. Change happens. Change comes. And change is catching up with you. And change is catching up with me. But there's another change that is coming beyond all of this. When we shall be changed (laughs) to be more like Jesus. Oh, isn't that a beautiful thought? This earthly body will break down. This earthly body will age. This earthly body will decay. Most of the changes, unfortunately, that comes to this earthly tabernacle, this body that we live in, most of those changes are not the best of changes. You don't hear many of us saying, I can't wait to be 20 years older so that my body will look better. Nobody says that. But I want to tell you, In 20 years, your body might look better because there is coming a change. And when the rapture happens, the dead in Christ are going to be raised incorruptible. Those of us who are alive and remain, we're going to be called up and our bodies will be changed and will be given a glorified body. You say, Pastor, what will that glorified body be? What will it exactly be like? We don't know exactly what it will be like. But one of the scriptures tells us that we don't know exactly what we'll be, but we'll be likened unto Christ. In that beautiful thought, change is catching up to me. Change is catching up to you. And sometimes I look in the mirror and I think, oh my goodness, gracious, alive. (laughs) But you know what? I've got a change that's coming. And that change is going to catch up to me. And one day, this body and this heart and this life and this soul and every part of me is going to be like Jesus. Isn't that a beautiful thought? Sometimes I don't think like Jesus. Sometimes I don't speak like Jesus. Sometimes I'm tempted. Sometimes I fail the Lord. Sometimes I sin. And I don't like any of that. Do you like any of that? But when I'm like him, when I have obtained my full salvation, I will be perfect with him. Change is going to catch up to me and to you. And I want to be ready to hear that sound. I want to be ready because he's coming. He's coming. He's coming. Would you stand with me all over this building this morning? This kind of change that is coming, I hope, I hope 
that hearing these words this morning, I hope that hearing the message today will cause us to want the kind of change that will make us be more like Christ. If you're standing here this morning, if you're watching online and you don't know Jesus as your personal Savior, I encourage you to make things right with Him. Make that decision today. Let Him forgive your sins. Let Him change you. I hope that these words cause us to want to be more like Christ. I hope these words cause us to live with more hope for the future. I hope these words today cause us to live with more comfort Comfort that can only come from Christ. Comfort from knowing God's in control and Jesus is coming. And I hope these words cause us to rejoice. Rejoice. My change is coming. Rejoice. Your change is coming. Rejoice. My Savior is coming. Rejoice. Your Savior is coming. He's coming again. You see, on our road trip today, Jesus had a lot of stories and reminders for us. But he also has some big plans for us. I want to be part of those big plans.